0: Take your Bibles this evening, uh, 2 Corinthians chapter number 8. We have been in 2 Corinthians chapter number 8 for, I think this is the third week we've been there of every week. I intended to just work our way through the passages and we will see how far we get. I don't know if we'll get very far, but we'll look at it again. There's just so much here and and, uh, and there's so much to, to unpack out of these chapters, 2 Corinthians chapter 8. Um, Begin reading with me in verse number 1 through 7. Moreover, brethren, we do you to the wit uh, of the grace of God bestowed on the churches of Macedonia, how that in a great trial of affliction and abundance of their joy and their deep poverty abounded unto the riches of their liberality, for to their power I bear record, yea, and beyond their power they were willing of themselves, praying us with much entreaty that we would receive the gift and t- take upon us the fellowship of the ministering to the saints, and this they did not as we had hoped, but first gave their own selves to the Lord and to us by the will of God, insomuch that we desired Titus that as he had begun, so he would also finish in you the same grace also, therefore, as ye abound in everything in faith and utterance and knowledge and all diligence. And your love to us see that you abound in this grace also. These passages out of Second Corinthians 8 and 9 are these passages that we look at and we will continue as we work towards our missions conference are the passages that we find the basis for faith, promise, giving. I don't know if you have a copy of the bulletin. Most of you probably do not yet. I'd just be, just a side note. I wonder how many people ever even look at this. <laughs> Do you look at them? Do you care? Okay, some them, people carry them with you. Um, but if you noticed here in our Faith Promise Missions Giving, and it is highlighted each week, the current commitment total for, it runs May through April. So we're coming up on our mission conference, and it'll be the the the, the time when this will uh, will start a new calendar year. Our commitments were one hundred and seventeen thousand three hundred and forty-four dollars. That was the commitments that were brought uh, at this time last year at our missions conference. This represents a weekly average of two thousand two hundred fifty-six dollars per week. And last week we see what was given. And to date, if we this was as of last Sunday, this would have been prior Sunday. So this this current Sunday, three days ago, would not be calculated in this. It will be up this coming. But, uh, so, the commitments were one hundred and seventeen thousand to date one hundred and forty four thousand six hundred and eighty nine dollars have been brought in. That is absolutely tremendous that is absolutely tremendous in, in my heart and and I see what god 's doing and it just it is amazing to me and and so, I bring that to your attention because we come to these passages and we see the practical uh, principles and the truths that bring about this kind of of in gathering for the calls for the work of God, uh, to getting the gospel around the world. We see that basis. We see it practically being fulfilled and worked out here. Only God can do this. Only the Lord is able to do these kinds of things. And, uh, and so I just want us to begin thinking as we see this year and we see what God is doing this year. And let me just also say, let's not a time to back off and say, well, we've just, now we've met our goals. Let's just back away. Let's continue. As God continues to provide, we continue to do what he's called us to do. And then looking forward to the next year, we begin praying now that what God may enable us to do. Uh, we noted in the passage how this church at Macedonia and their great poverty Um, they abounded in their liberality. They gave of themselves to their power, yea, beyond their power. And that is the essence of faith promise giving. So in these passages, we find some of these things with regards to this. Uh, Again, we call it faith promise. Others may call it, which I do not have a problem with, and I think it's correct, in saying grace giving. It's all really the same, and the same principles are found here. God has provided a way to financially get the job done. God has provided a way to financially get the job done. Um, What is the job that we are to get done? Now, we know that to be the case. We find it, uh, you know it very well, the Great Commission. God has called us to go into all the world and preach the gospel and Jesus came and spake unto them, saying, All power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the world. Amen. That is the job that God has given us to do. And as this generation that we have here, this time, This is what God's called us to do. In The next generation, we are to prepare the next generation to continue on. If the Lord tarries, to continue on. Those who came before us, praise God for the faithfulness of those men, those women, those families, those churches that taught us these principles. And we carry them on. And we are to continue. But this is the generation that God's called us to reach. This is the job. And God provides the means for the job. We noted a couple of weeks ago that, remember, God's given us the message. That's the gospel. The death, burial, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. He's given us the mandate, the go. We're to go with the message. He's given us the manpower. Where is that found? It's found in a local church. Now, missionaries are called out of local churches, just like this one, all over the world, And it's a thrill that you hear of churches in Mexico where people are being called to go to missions. And praise the Lord, maybe one day when Brother Zacharias is in in Australia, a church will be planted. you know what their calling is going to be? To go into all the world and preach the gospel. And missionaries will be sent out of there. Same thing with Honduras and in Fiji. And on and on it goes. This is the purpose. And this is why churches are planted. So that this could continue to go forward. The manpower... Is in the local churches. I really believe that God's calling people. God's still calling people to the mission field. He's calling people to the mission field. The only problem is the people that he's calling are not so readily to answer. Uh, God says pray therefore the Lord of harvesters and forth laborers. God I believe is answering that prayer. But many are not answering the call and say Lord here am I send me. And praise God for those who are. Praise God for those who are. And it is not just cross-culturally a mission field, but it is where we are. It's in our back door. It's in our neighborhoods. And, and we noted tonight, this is one way which we can be missionaries in our neighborhoods. One way we can be where we are. So we have the, the manpower, that is us, not only to go, but to give. The manpower is... To go as well as to give. And God has given us these things and He's also given us the means. The means. The means to carry out the going. To carry out what God's called us to do. God gives all of these things. The message, the mandate, the manpower, and the means. He gives them all to us. And God does not require of us where He does not give us the means to complete. So he's given us these things and to really fulfill the mandate we the means have to be available the means have to be available the way to do it has to be available and and so a missionary goes out on deputation, and what they are seeking and trusting God, stepping out by faith, trusting God to provide the means to fulfill the calling that God has placed upon their lives. And so when we consider this, God has given the manpower to go and the manpower to stay and provide, and God gives us the ability to do that as a church, as a group of people, and what this takes from us. What this takes from us is the exercising of our faith. When we think about faith promise, we're talking about the exercising of our faith. Now, what is faith? Faith is simple dependence upon God. Faith is dependence upon God. Now, what does that mean? Let's break it down maybe a little further. Faith is relying upon God to do exactly what. What he's promised he would do. Faith is simply putting our trust, our dependence, in looking to God, waiting upon God, looking to him to do exactly what he has promised to do. So faith is, you could add a, a component to faith, faith is obeying what God's called us to do. And it's coupled with reliance upon the supply To do what God's called us to do. So there's the obedience. That's faith. When we are faithful we are obedient. To what the word of God tells us. And then it's reliance upon to meet the needs. To supply. Faith has both the the obedience component with it. As well as the reliance component attached to it. You really can't break one out from the other. It's obedience and reliance. Faith requires that obedience to God to go. And reliance upon God as we go. When we think about faith promise, it's, it's obedience to give. And reliance upon God to give to us so that we can give. That's the way it works. That's the idea that we find here out of Second Corinthians 8 and 9. Faith is moving out. In dependence upon him. Moving out in dependence upon him. If you'll notice with me. Hebrews chapter 11. Hebrews chapter 11. uh, Verse number 1. Hebrews 11 verse number 1. One of that great passage in the New Testament. The the heroes of the faith. He begins to talking about faith. Now faith is the substance of things hoped for. The evidence of things not seen. Faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Now, faith is a substance. It is the substance, just as our physical and our eyesight, in, in that sense, gives us the evidence of the material things of this world. We have eyesight, tangible, eye, see, touch. That's the essence, and we understand the physical, the material world. Faith is that spiritual eyesight that gives us the evidence of God's provision. Faith is that eyesight, that spiritual eyesight that gives us the assurance and the evidence, the substance of God's provision. Faith narrows my focus. Faith narrows my focus so that I depend upon the promises of God to meet my needs. It brings it all into that narrow focus there. Faith then lets me experience the promises of God personally in my life. let me experience those things. It narrows my focus and dependence upon Him and Him alone. And then God meets that need and God supplies that need. So it's a, a personal thing. And I get to experience that and so do you. Faith is the substance of The substance of things hoped for. Hoped for. If I already had the substance, then I don't need the faith. I don't need the faith. But faith is a step of obedience to the call of God with a willingness to trust and rely upon God for what I do not have. That's what we look at and that's what we consider when we come to giving of missions. Getting the gospel around the world. It's obedience. Sometimes we look at the obedience of the missionary. Them going. Missionaries will come in. Praise God for their obedience. But it's just as much of a need for obedience to us that are here. That will hear of the missionaries. And, and send them. The obedience is as much ours as it is theirs. And the dependence, the reliance is upon is as much ours as it is theirs. In Hebrews chapter 11, 15 times, 15 times, we find the word by faith. By faith, by faith. You can read it over and over again. These heroes of the faith, they obeyed God in whatever way God was calling them to obey. And they over and over and over again found God faithful in that obedience. They found God faithful. They stepped out and they found Him faithful. We look at Hebrews chapter 11 in verse number 6. We read the text. You know it very well. But without faith it's impossible to please him. For he that cometh to God must believe that he is. And he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. But without faith it is impossible. Unless we are regularly obeying God. Unless we are regularly obeying God. We're not going to be rewarded. We're not going to, we don't have that faith. Regular obedience to God literally means that I'm diligently seeking God. That's what the verse says. Regular obedience means that I'm diligently seeking God. And we, when we do this, we are regularly pleasing God. And then we become rewarded by God. So when we obey, we're diligently seeking, we're pleasing, and God's rewarding. That's the way it works. And God is so good to work with us and be long-suffering and teaching us and bringing us along this way. The way to please God is obedience to his word and dependence upon his word. Obedience to his word and dependence upon his word. That is faith at work. Faith that works and faith at work that's what I believe this passage tells us and helps us understand. Second Corinthians chapter eight and nine are the chapters that deal with giving financially to the Lord's work. We mentioned a couple of weeks ago, we started this looking that God says that He'll bless the way to have our finances in place and, and promise to the Lord. He gives us the necessities of our life. When we depend upon him, we surrender our wills to him. We surrender our hearts to him. And when we are regularly partaking and participants in the work of God, in the work of God, and when we do these things God promises to meet the necessities of life. And then we also mention not only, and praise the Lord, this is his goodness and his love to us. He not only meets our necessities, but he meets the niceties of life. He gives us the things that we would simply like to have. And God's so good at this. It, much of most of us have more than we could ever dream of, and God gives us that not the necessities, the food, the clothing, the 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 roof that 's over our head, but then He gives us even beyond that that 's how good God is to us. and so if we will be faithful to be that conduit, not be the consumer of god 's giving to us, but to be the conduit by which God gives through us. To meet the needs of others, particularly that of the gospel, then I believe that God will ensure that we are for sure taken care of. And so we find the biblical basis for uh, for the admonition, you might call it, for faith promise giving out of these chapters. Now, faith promise giving is not what we promise or pledge to give out of our means. Remember we talked a little bit about that last week and some of us look at it and we look at it from a, uh, well, I, I, I'm going to count all the, my, what I have here and what's left over I'm going to give to the Lord. That's not what he's talking about. If we do it that way, we're giving out of our reasoning. Faith promise giving is not giving out of our reasoning, it's not giving of ourselves but it's giving beyond what we do not have. That's what the passage <coughs> excuse me, reminds us and tells us of. It's not getting out of our means to the Lord's work. It is our stepping out in faith and depending upon God's means or His promises to give through us. So as we think about that in the next few weeks, as we pray about this, what can I trust God for? What am I going to believe God for to give through me to to His work to fulfill this job, this task of the Great Commission? The faith is in God's promise... Not in our ability. And that's where so many times we, we fail. Well, I can't. I can't. Well, we, we can, but God does. And God can. And this is evidence of it. It's what we've seen here. Grace giving is often used to describe this sort of giving Paul's describing. Again, faith promise, grace giving. But using the word grace. Now, what is Grace. Let's think about that a moment. What is grace? Grace is the unmerited favor of God. The unmerited favor of God. And boy, you could spend so much time trying to define and looking at the Scriptures with regards to grace. But in a nutshell, whoever termed that, I think is, is a good thought. The unmerited favor of God. It is God giving to us what we do not deserve. That's Grace. God gives grace to us. Every single one of us tonight are recipients of God's grace. Grace, saving grace, forgiving grace, sustaining grace, and when the time comes, even dying grace. God gives it all. God gives those things to us. And God also gives financial grace. How come we don't often apply that one here? God gives financial grace to us. The word grace in these passages of 2 Corinthians 8 and 9, but they're found eight times in these two chapters, but five of those times are found in verses 1 through 9. Grace, God giving to us the unmerited favor of God, and in this particular context is the giving of God's grace financially. Financially. Grace giving unleashes the resources of God to us and through us. This is the means of, that God uses to get his work done. To get his mission's work done. His mission work accomplished around the world. God's work is inflation proof. God's work is recession proof. And God's work is depression proof. When we come sometimes to church, we say, "Well, the 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 price of gas. Do you know how much gas is this day? Do you know how much a loaf of bread is now. When Steve and Frankie were dating, you could go to get a moon pie and a and a RC cola for a nickel. You can't do that anymore. They don't if they they got the moon pies. I don't know if they got the RC colas anymore. They went bankrupt, I think maybe. It, it, you can't do that. You if know, you see how much things cost these days." God's not tied to that. You know, and we shouldn't be either. As Christians, we shouldn't be, well, look at this. I, and sometimes the fear is that, that maybe, well, we look at what we got. If we're giving in our own reasoning, well, do you know what groceries cost last week? Well, I, I, So what's the first thing to suffer? The work of the Lord. Our giving, not, not always, not in this crowd, but around the world. In many churches, that is the case. And so it's, these things shouldn't, should not affect what God is able to do to get his work done. But what it does take, what it does take is faith on our part. Faith on the behalf of God's people to be used of God and to look to God to get the work done. It's faith dependent upon God's people. Faith promise involves us in what God is doing around the world. And getting his message, the gospel, to the regions unknown. To the places that haven't heard. To the people that haven't heard. The people groups that haven't heard. And even those who have heard. To continue to give that gospel light in those areas. So God gives the mandate to go. He gives the message, the gospel. He tells us what to use. What are we to teach them. He gives the manpower. The manpower is in the local church. And he also provides the means, the financial needs, to ensure that it's funded. Now, the, principle, the principles found in these passages do not pertain to the tithe. And, and I just want to make that clear. And somebody will say, and somebody will be listening on the radio, say, well, all I've heard him do... In the past three weeks is preach upon money and always talking about money. That's not true. Uh, This is the passages that we come to. And this is an important aspect. This is an important part of a local church. And if we fail to understand them, if we fail to teach them, then we're not in obedience to the Word of God. These passages do not deal with the tithe. Faith, promise, giving is not tithing. It's trusting God to do more. Faith, promise, giving is not tithing, but it's trusting God to do more for the work of the gospel. We cannot be true givers to God until we are first faithful in tithing. We really do not get to the place where we're giving to God until we're first faithful in tithing. Tithing, giving back to what God what is already is now many people many believe and 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 you can read quite widely and and many people believe that tithing began with the law and and its practice of tithing ended when the law with the law in the new testament now, this is not a correct view it's not a correct view some people say, well, it started with the law. And now we're living in grace. We're, we're, that's not, that, so we don't, that's tithing is nowhere here. That's an incorrect view. It's not a full understanding of what the Bible's saying. Tithing did not begin with the Old Testament law, it did not begin there. Tithing, simply put, is giving to God what is already rightfully His. That's simply put. You can't get around that. It didn't start with the law. You think about Abraham. Abraham lived hundreds of hundreds of years before Moses and the law, Levitical law. Abraham lived hundreds of years before that, and somehow he had learned he had learned the necessity of the tithe. If you go back with me to uh, Genesis chapter number fourteen. Let's just follow this out, if you, got, if you don't mind, just a moment. Genesis chapter number 14. This is long before the law. We see, Genesis 14, uh, Lot had been taken and captured and all that he had. And Abraham comes and he hears of this and he goes and he gathers his men... And they go out and they rescue Lot. In verse number 18, Melchizedek, king of Salem, brought forth bread and wine. What a wonderful study. I'd love to take some time and just, just consider this thought and go through the scriptures with regards to who this Melchizedek is. I believe it's Jesus Christ. Melchizedek, king of Salem, brought forth bread and wine. And he was the priest of the Most High God. And he blessed him and said, Blessed be Abram. The most high God, professor of heaven and earth. And blessed be the most high God, which hath delivered thine enemies into thy hand. And he, this is speaking of Abram, and he gave tithes, gave him tithes of all. Abraham gave tithes of all to Melchizedek. Now where did he get this concept from? If you go back to even to Cain and Abel, where did they get the idea of giving a gift Giving a tithe, the first link to the Lord. Where did they get this? Well, I believe it's taught of them, uh, even from Adam and Eve. They understood the principle. We see it even carrying forward. We go even further to Jacob in Genesis chapter number 28. You go a little bit further, Genesis 28, grandson of Abraham. And we go to uh, Genesis 28, verse 22. And this stone, which I have set for a pillar, shall be God's house. And of all that thou shalt give me, I will surely give the tenth unto thee. And where did this come from? God had somehow communicated. They understood the responsibility of giving to the Lord. Jacob Abraham's grandson practiced tithing hundreds of years before the Levitical law. We go, to, we go to Leviticus chapter 27 and verse number 30. In all the tithe of the land, whether of the seed of the land or of the fruit of the tree, is the Lord's, is holy unto the Lord. And all the tithe of the land. It's the Lord's. He says give it to the Lord's. The tithe. It's his. So we see the principle. It was there before the law. It's there in the law. But it continues. We go to the book of Malachi. We've read these verses now a number of times on this Wednesday evening time. We go to Malachi. And he says to this nation of Israel. Return to me and I'll return in you. Verse 7. Saith the Lord of hosts, but ye said, Wherein have we shall we return? Will a man rob God? God's response to them is, Will a man rob God? Yet ye have robbed me. But ye say, Wherein have we robbed thee? Notice he says, In tithes and in offerings. you are cursed with a curse, for ye have robbed me even this whole nation. So we see this as an old testament principle. But it's a foundation. This tenth is a foundation that's carried forward into the New Testament. If we go to the book of Matthew chapter 23 and verse number 23. Here God is dealing, Jesus Christ is dealing with the Pharisees. And he's dealing with them over their hypocrisy. Matthew 23 and 23. Woe unto you scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you pay For ye pay tithe of mint, and anise, and of cumin, and have omitted the weightier matters of the law, judgment, mercy, and faith. These ought ye to have done, and not to leave the other undone. Jesus, understanding this passage, does not condemn them for their tithing, nor does he say they should not tithe, now, he's not saying that at all, but he simply corrects them in the way that they're tithing. He's correcting them in the way they're doing. They left off the other aspects of it. God didn't say, it's done, don't worry about it. Some people say, well, we're, now that's done, that didn't move over into the New Testament. Well, God didn't condemn it here. He didn't condemn them for their tithing in what they were doing. The giving... Of the firstborn. We find it the principle in the scriptures. The giving of the firstborn. Of the first fruits. Are pictures or examples of giving to God. Our first and our best. We see that principle all through the Bible. If anything. The Old Testament basis. For 10%. For the tithing of the 10%. Is only the starting point. For the continuation. Of the tithe. In the New Testament. It's only the, the basis for the, the starting point of it. Go with me to the book of Mark. Mark chapter 12. Mark chapter 12, verses 41 through 44. <clears throat> Mark 12, 41 through 44. And Jesus said over against the treasury. And beheld how the people cast money into the treasury. And many that were rich cast in much. And there came a certain poor widow. And she threw in two mites which make a farthing. And he called unto them his disciples. And said to them. Verily I say unto you this poor widow cast more in. Hath cast more in. Than all they which have cast into the treasury. For they all did cast in of their abundance, but she, of her want, did cast in all that she had, even all of her living. God didn't condemn them for the giving. God just didn't go over there and just say, this treasury, this casting in, that's got to stop. This tithing's got to stop. He didn't do that. But he noted that this woman, she gave more than all the rest. You see, it, it becomes a sacrificial Mindset. It becomes a sacrificial kind of giving to the Lord. Giving to the Lord, the New Testament standard for our giving is sacrificial giving. But our giving has not started until we have first given the Lord his tithe. Giving to the Lord is an indication of the heart, it's an indication of our love for God. Matthew 6 and 21, for Where your treasure is. There your heart will be also. We give to God. Out of our love and appreciation. Appreciation and obedience. Not out of a legalistic requirement. We come to the New Testament. We see Christ. We give. Because of our love for him. And again. I believe this is a basis. The Old Testament. That 10% is a basis. It's literally a starting point. If we're going to. Give to the Lord, if we're going to, uh, giving to the Lord this way, the, the tithe, if we give out of a heart of appreciation, of abundance and obedience and love for the Lord, then the tithe never becomes an issue. We hear people say, yeah, but the tithe. But if we're giving out of a love and a heart and appreciation for God, the tithe never becomes an issue. It is merely a biblical starting point of showing our love for the Lord. That's what it is. Proverbs 3, 9, and 10. Honor the Lord with all thy substance and with the first fruits of all thine increase. So shall thy barns be filled with plenty. And thy presses shall burst out with new wine. Honor the Lord with the first fruits. Honor the Lord. I don't know if those who want to throw out tithing would want to throw out the book of Proverbs as well. I don't think so. So we're to honor the Lord this way. The subject matter of these two chapters is not tithing. The subject matter is faith promise giving. This is beyond the tithe. This is faith giving. Dr. Halsey Probably wrote the book best I've ever read on this particular subject. Said the easiest way to give is by faith. Because it costs the giver nothing. God does it all. That's good. God does it all. That's faith promise giving. Now as we close tonight just a thought. There are two budgets here at Lakewood Baptist Church. Really, we have two budgets, so to speak. One's the church budget we vote on each year. I appreciate Teresa, those who manage and help in that regard. The church budget. budget this 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 budget is provided for through the through the tithes and the offerings of those who give. This takes care of the salaries. This takes care of the light bills. This takes care of the the heating. The electricity, the air conditioning, the gas in the vans, the office. There's a lot of things. There's a lot of needs just in this building. You, you, you just you show up here and, and, and you, just, you just walk around a little bit and you see all the things. Things break. You have the church budget and the tithes and the offerings provides for those things. By the way, the preacher and the, the deacons, we have no idea what people give I hear of people saying, well, churches come to me and ask for the tithe and demand the tithe and demand this. It'll never happen here at Lakewood Baptist Church. And those that do that, um, I just, all I can say is they're wrong. They're wrong. But each year we put together a church budget. And the budget really... Keeps us in the middle of the road in several areas. And there could be other things to do that. It's set in October of each year. But it really does two things the budget does. It allocates our spending. It allocates our spending. So when we have a budget, we have a line item there. There's something listed. That's what's going to be spent in that line item. It allocates our spending. And then it not only allocates it, but it limits it. It limits it. So we have a line item... We're gonna, this is how much money we plan to spend on this line item, and it's limited. Now, my goal, and praise the Lord, we've done it every year, I believe. My goal is to come in under budget. My goal is not to spend everything that's on the budget. That's our goal, and we don't want to do that. But it's allocated, and it's also limited. We always want to stay within the budget. That's the church budget. Now there's another budget, and that's a faith promise budget, if you want to call it that and use that term, the faith promise budget. This is our missions spending. This one's set every year at the missions conference. Just like the other, this one allocates our spending, how? To missions. It allocates our spending to the missionary for the specific work of getting the gospel around the world. It allocates it to the missions And to the missionaries and to the work of getting the gospel out. But with regards to our spending, this budget seeks to expand the spending. You see, the other limits the spending. But in this one, with faith promise, it seeks to expand the spending. We want to spend more. We want to do more for the cause of Christ. This one doesn't have any this one has limits, but this one the only limit is our faith. The only limit is what we'll trust God to do through us. And as we can already see, God is doing wonderful things. It's only limited to our ability and willingness to trust God by faith. Now, really hadn't got into many of the verses. But as I sit down and I start just working through these things, there's just so much here. And maybe I'm beating a dead horse. I don't know. Maybe I'm just going over this thing. But I just simply say, when I see this and I see this, it's like, wow. God's doing some wonderful things. And God continues to want to do great and mighty things through us, through this church, as a body of believers, as families, as individuals. So let's this year continue to trust God by faith. Not to limit it, but to expand it and to see it explode for the glory of God. Let's bow in prayer. Father, we thank you for your blessings of how you have provided for us in miraculous, wonderful, wonderful ways. And I pray that tonight that you would increase our faith. This is the exercise of it. This is where we literally put you to the test and see you Lord, come through. So I pray, and Lord, I want to thank you for every missionary that we have the privilege, the wonderful privilege to partner with to get the gospel around the world. And so many that we do not yet, and we have not. and Lord, um, they're serving you in difficult places. And Lord, I pray that you would increase our footprint for you, increase the ability of this church, and Lord, increase our faith that we may do more in the days to come. Lord, it would not be capped, but Lord, the, literally the, the top would be taken off. And I pray that out of the finances, Lord, out of the praying, out of the going, out of the church planting, out of the door knocking, out of the invitations, the tracking, Lord, every aspect of the preaching, everything that's done, Lord, may it bring forth glory to you. Lord, we know you're coming again soon. And I pray that we'll have, we, we will be able to say, we will be able in our own hearts to be convinced through the Holy Spirit and with the Holy Spirit to say we've done all that we know to do. We've done all that we can. But Lord, may we continue to have faith to even do more than that, to go beyond. So we'll thank you tonight in Jesus' name, amen.